This is the Mixtape Podcast. Mixtape Podcast, episode 18. I'm your host, Josso Focused. And I'm French, the bro host. And if you didn't know, we're a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. And if you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out first on Twitter at the Knicks Take. Then go to YouTube and search Knicks Take Videos. And if you'd rather follow us on Instagram, you'll find us at the next take and lastly on facebook at next take media so enthusiastic you are where's the energy at you mean not you me from last week it's it's all about being let's clear. go let's go let's and understandable go <laughs> i was stumbling a lot last last podcast i want to get things out clearly pronunciate no you know what I'm saying? You want to pronounce correctly? I want to pronounce words correctly. And I want to stop sounding like I'm reading off of a paper so much. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to slide right into the next subject. There you go. Let's slide right to the next subject, which is... And let's talk about the NBA Finals, where the Bucks, like I predicted, I felt like I felt like I predicted it last episode. What you think? You didn't predict it. I said I had a bad feeling that I was going to get proven wrong. <laughs> That's not a prediction. <laughs> and the Bucks is going to win. In, I didn't say the Bucks is going to win in six, but I was feeling like you told if me Bucks take Game Five that they would win in six. That's what you yeah. told me. You told me after we recorded the podcast and we watched the game. You told me whoever wins this is winning, mm-hmm. and you said actually you might have said that on a podcast. And then once the game was over, you said Bucks in six, but you did not. Predict that on the podcast. I, didn't, I ain't going to say I called it, but I definitely had a feeling that it was going to be Bucks and Six when we were recording that pod. But yeah, Bucks won at home in game six, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, see, I said his name perfect, Antetokounmpo, dropped a 50 whopper, 50 piece McNugget, 50 points in a closeout game. And Took home finals MVP. You was, was watching that game, right? Actually, no. I wasn't watching that game. I, I missed out. I, I did miss out. But <laughs> I was so sure that it was going to go seven that I, I literally didn't really pay attention until I decided to check the score and the game was already over. And I was like, The Bucks won the championship. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I really thought. I really thought it was going from, seven. That was <laughs> that was the only game I watched from start to finish because I knew the Bucks was going to win. But when we we were watching Game Five, which I I watched game I watched the end of Game Five, and that was a good game. I'm I'm gonna say I, that was a game. Mm-hmm. It first, the first half, the Suns put their print on the game, and then in the second half or the middle of the game, 
I think starting the second quarter to third quarter, Bucks put their imprint on the game. And then to end the game, Phoenix started battling back. And I thought, oh, this might go into overtime. And and I, I only wanted brought up game five because I want to talk about how Devin Booker dribbled himself out of a championship. <laughs> I ain't going to say that. Drew Holiday just played elite defense where he couldn't get comfortable. He dribbled himself into losing the finals. And, and yes, it drew, yes, Holiday definitely played great defense, but if you were know watching what, the Suns, Devin Booker played like that all year. It just didn't come against someone who was going to be able to shut him down like that. You can't do that. You can't do that in the closing seconds of the game, man. Like, you know, you need that. You need that next shot to go in to tie it, to go take it into overtime, and you just turn the ball over. Like, so that's, that's the only reason I wanted to bring the, it up. That's what comes with being the number one option. You got you gonna be the one to take this shot. You can't pass it off. So I was watching. I was like, Where, "Where's he going with this? What's he gonna do?" Like, I is oh 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 he stole the ball. <laughs> the game's over. <laughs> Ali oop the Giannis, and, and actually the game and the game actually wasn't over because because they nah, still the could have they no they still could have tied it up after that, but they couldn't grab the ball. <laughs> Yeah, but Giannis the missed the free throw. Giannis missed the free throw, and they were still only up three. And 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 I I think I I'm saying this to kind of lead into into the topic of I was reading Jonathan Macri's newsletter about the finals, and he talking about and he was trying to tie that into the need for a big man, mm-hmm. and the need for a center. And why maybe we shouldn't spend so much money on Mitchell Robinson. And that shit made no sense to me. I was like, um, John, why are you ignoring the fact that Robin Lopez played about 20 minutes per game in these finals? And they had Bobby Porter's coming off of the bench playing power forward. Bro, he's really <laughs> Brooke Lopez, excuse me. Yeah, he had, they had him, they had him playing 20 minutes of the game. He had, he had some of probably the most important plays during the game five, during game five, during games five and six. Yeah, but that's pretty much proving his point. What? Brooke Lopez and Bobby Porter's aren't big time centers in the NBA. They no, are no role players. Yes, yes, I agree with that. But you need them <laughs> you need them he was trying to he was trying to say like oh you know deandre in like he didn't really make that big of a difference but the the reason the bucks won besides the fact that their team defense their overall defense just kind of shut phoenix down they were bigger they were the bigger team and they were the bigger team and still able to hit threes and all that like all the things that bigger teams usually don't have advantages in the Bucks had. So but it's like they weren't paying a lot of dollars to those centers. I think that's yeah, what it was. Yeah, well he he started talking about centers getting being finals MVPs and stuff like that, but getting getting Mitchell Robinson to come back isn't like, oh, we need to pay him max dollars and shit like that. Like, no, like bring Mitch back because he is that level of center that you just want to have, like a DeAndre Eaton, Julius Randle was still a big dude. Like, Julius Randle could play center. So if you have Mitch and Julius Randle, it's kind of the same thing like the Bucks did. 
if you have big players across the across your across your starting five, uh, why would you compare the Knicks to the Suns as opposed to comparing them to the Bucks? If the Knicks can take control of the boards, can play good defense, they they're not getting out rebounded, and they and they playing great defense across the board, and they can hit their shots. You could go the Bucks route as opposed to the Phoenix Suns route, where you have what? a lot of smaller guys and you're you have a power forward sized center. I don't feel like we need to be replicating what other teams do. I feel like no, the I'm not type saying of that players, either. The type of players that we have on our team, no matter what type of team that wins the championship, they're not. In my opinion, I don't feel like they're replicating another team like the suns when you see the suns play they look like that's the suns offense you get what i'm saying like they yep. run through devin booker they run through chris paul Giannis is the main conductor of their offense so the way that them two teams got to the finals ain't going to be the way that the next two teams get to the finals they're going to get to the finals based I- on what they're strong at and they're going to hide their weaknesses so the knicks have different strengths than what both of these teams have and they have different weaknesses so if you could accentuate the the strengths then that's all that's going to really matter at the end of the day i don't think we need to replicate anybody else i 100 percent agree with you and i'm not i'm sorry if that's how it came off i i'm not saying that we should replicate the bucks because a i don't think we can i don't think anybody can replicate the bucks because Giannis is a one of one player in terms of the type of player he is and his size and that you're not going there's no other Giannis in the league right now. Maybe you could find one Ever. in the draft. Maybe maybe Cade could become a Giannis type player, but you're not gonna find that. You're not gonna find there's that. Ever been a player like Giannis. Like Giannis could Giannis could play the game like that. Giannis could play center. Like honestly, like 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 that's the thing that I'm trying to say is that your small forward slash power forward could play center on your team because that's how big and strong he is. And he, but he plays like a God. So, and he can do everything. He can do almost anything on the court. You, you, you The Knicks can't just say, okay, we're going to put Giannis on. Like, no, that's not going to happen. But what I am saying is that the path to the championship doesn't mean that you don't have to just pick up a Bobby Porter's and a, and a Robin Lopez, like is it rock? They keep confusing me because they're twins. But you don't need to pick up either of the Lopez's. Is what I mean. Like you, you don't like that's not. Oh, that was not the defining reason for why the Bucks won. But it also wasn't like unimportant. They needed the center on their team to win the championship. They, I don't know if they win that without him. Like. I think that this series probably is a little bit different because their rebounding and their size inside was a very important factor. And I don't think that should be discredited. I think that if you have a Mitchell Robinson type player in your team, it can only help you. Now, don't pay 20 to 25 to 30 mil on him, obviously. But if you can bring him back, if you could bring him back on a on a reasonable deal and have him stay on this team on a reasonable deal, why why wouldn't you? If you if you put DeAndre Ayton on the on that Bucks team, that's I, I would say that 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 could, team could run it back for the next two three years. I, I don't think you just say oh you don't need it. 
and that's the point I'm trying to make. Like, you don't discredit the fact that the center and the big man played an important role for both of these teams in terms of both getting to the finals and for the Bucks winning the championship. Yeah, I see what you're saying. No argument here. And, and I don't have a smooth transition to this, but let's start talking about sex. Ten. <laughs> so we talked about Colin Sexton last week. And actually, mm-hmm. on the Facebook page, somebody wrote a comment in regards to another video on YouTube and saying, well, watching this, how does this affect and change how you view that potential deal? Obi Toppin, either 19 or 21, and Kevin Knox for Colin Sexton. Have you thought more about that trade, that potential trade? No, I, I feel the exact same way about it now than I did last week. Okay. I don't. I, I see Colin Sexton as a talented scorer, mm-hmm. but I I don't want to trade Obi and these draft picks or one of these draft picks in a draft this deep when we don't even know what Obi Toppin is going to be yet, and we don't know. Sorry, go ahead. And I feel like the guy that we can pick up at nineteen and at twenty one, a combination of all three. If everything works out, it's going to equal to more success for the Knicks than one Colin Sexton. Picture if we had Trey Murphy and Trey Mann with, the, with those two picks. Let, let, uh, 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 I'm just saying, talk. hold on, hold on. We, I'm saying picture these that, that those two draft picks and Obi Toppin developing to be a more more of a star role player. Is that not worth more to you in your eyes than Colin Sexton alone? No, no. I will say no. That's easy to say when you don't, when you're not thinking about it. No, it's easy to, (laughs) it's, it's easy to say either way. You could say yes or no. And it's easy because at the end of the day, we don't know what Trey Mann is going to be in this league. We don't know what Trey Murphy is going to be in this league you could draft both of them and they could turn out to be trash. And then you're like, damn, why the hell didn't we trade for Colin Sexton? It would, it, 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 at that point, it's just Colin Sexton for Obi Toppin and Colin Sexton. What do you mean? How likely is it? How likely is it that they're both trash? Yeah. I, and I, Obi doesn't do anything. Like how likely is that? I don't feel like, I feel like, no, I'm not saying, those are I'm, the not, two I'm not saying that Obi, I feel like are the most ready to transition to the NBA. I'm not saying that about, it's in those areas. I'm not saying that it's that it's likely for all three of them to be nothing. However, Obi Toppin, we already talked about this last week. Obi Toppin is going to be coming off the bench behind Julius Randle, and unless no. you unless you give up, unless we you know we I guess that would have been a greater better transition. Unless you give up Mitch, and now you have Obi Toppin starting next to Julius Randle. Unless that is the starting lineup. There's not. The future is limited. Yeah, and I honestly, I don't. I I don't know how much I like Obi as a five more than I like Mitch as a five. I like Obi as a four five who can switch between both positions, but he's not going to get major minutes at the four. And I don't. And like I said, I don't like him as a starting five 
I prefer, I prefer him behind. So, okay. So now you're saying, okay, maybe we can top him out at 22 minutes a game. Maybe. And that's, that, that's like cutting Julius's minutes a little bit and cutting Mitch's minutes to a point where it's, he's 30 minutes a game and you don't give any other bigs any time at the center spot, just Obi. But why does Obi need to be a starter in order for him to have value in your eyes? I'm not. Uh, okay, I don't he think could, that's, he could continue I, coming off the bench for the rest of his life, and he I don't think still be that's, a star role player. I don't think that's that's an appropriate question because that you you're insinuating that Colin Sexton is valueless. His I'm not val- saying that. Oh, yeah, but you're not saying that. I'm not saying that to trade Obi for Colin because that's that's the conversation we're having. If Trey Mann and Trey Murphy both don't really amount to much, or if they're just role players and rotation players, that's three rotation and role players that you're giving up for a starter in Colin Sexton. Uh, that's not. I don't think that it's a clear. You have to go one way or another, but for me. And this is where I'll say where how much more into the I would 100% do that trade. Uh, Colin Sexton fills a need. A. B. Outside of the need of being a point guard and potential playmaker, who we said his playmaking probably isn't that great, but it has improved. Outside of that, he can shoot the three. He's a threat from three at the very least. And even if he's not the best playmaker, he's still a secondary tertiary playmaker. So you can have Colin Sexton, Julius Randle, Colin Sexton, Julius Randle, and RJ Barrett man those playmaking roles while they're starting the game. And that's still a much better, still a much better option than what we had before. He's young, 22 years old, two years younger than Obi Toppin. So he still has the ability to grow. On top of that, you make that deal, you're actually saving yourself some money. You do that deal, you get $4 million more in cap space and shipping out Kevin Knox, Obi Toppin, and one of those picks. So it, you can still add, you can, you have, that's more money to add a player. All the money that you have now, you can still sign free agents and you can have $4 million more on top of that. So if you're not so great on Colin Sexton, you could still draft a Sharif Cooper because we're still talking about keeping one of those picks. You could still draft another point guard, a Trey man or whatever. Or if you figured, nope, that's our future. You draft a Trey, a Trey Murphy. You, you draft one of these other guys at the wing spot, a Chris Duarte, whoever you want, whoever the Knicks draft at this part, part at this point in the game, you still draft one of those guys. You could still sign really good free agents, have Colin Sexton start, I'll, I'll say it. Or you could even have him come off of the bench and start, a, a, and you have a, a starter level point guard in front of him. And then you have Colin Sexton as a restricted free agent, and you can match what any other team would offer him. Or you could sign and trade him if they want him that bad. That is a value with just Colin Sexton by itself, that your additional money, youth that is his long side, that is better than Obi Toppin and not as good as whoever you get in the draft unless you get an older player. Flexibility in your starting rotation. That that All of these things are things that 
are going to aid you when it comes to getting another talent, when it comes to improving your team, when it comes to all of the things that we want to do. The only real only real caveat as far as like why you wouldn't do this trade, both in what I hear from you and in myself also, is that I don't want to trade Obi Toppin. And I don't and the other one will be I'd rather have two picks than one. But Colin Sexton is not trash. Colin Sexton has he shown that he was. Yeah, but but I'm saying he's I have to you have to point it out that he's not trash, that he has played for a team that is trash objectively trash there's not that many great players around him i don't think it's that not you, it's not like he's not a part of the reason why they're trash we don't know whether he's a part of the reason that why we don't we know, know. We we've don't. only ever seen colin sexton on a team that was bad how do you know that if you put him on a team that's good that all of a sudden that team maybe it doesn't Maybe he doesn't elevate them, but maybe he doesn't make them worse. But at the very least, he gives them. A, possibly at, is not going to elevate you. At, at the why ve- trade away so many assets for a player like that? At the well, I don't think that on this team he couldn't elevate us. I think on this team he's going to elevate you just based off of the fact of what we was there before. It's addition by subtraction. You want to you want a guy you want to no I don't there's no possible way he can make us worse there's and no the reason possible way no possible way go peeking thinking he's the number one option and tries to score all the points and freezes out his teammates that's not going to make us worse even if he was to do that which he which there's evidence to suggest that he he's not that kind of player like yes is he going to occasionally miss a player or two according to what he's done in the past yes is he going to be nut for an entire game no he's not going to do that he is he has improved his playmaking he has tried to include his teammates on the cleveland cavaliers he's tried to include them in, in his passing game and he has improved his assist rate over the past few years but we know the reason why like cleveland don't got nobody on the roster i don't mean to keep cutting you off but cleveland has players on the roster it's okay. not like he's playing around trash like he did in college he had Guys who were on the finals run with LeBron, Larry Nance. He has Kevin Love on his team. He had, not to say that Kevin Love is like some all star or something, but he's a valuable, not valuable, but he's he's not a trash NBA player. He's a trash NBA player today. Yes, he is. Kevin Love, Darius Kevin Love, Garland's trash. No, but that Darius Jared, Garland is Darius Jared Garland Jack, and Colin I mean, Sexton, whatever his yeah, name is. Yeah, I know uh, Jared Allen. Jared uh, Allen. The thing, Colin Sexton is playing the shooting guard role on the on the Cleveland Cavaliers team. He's not playing the play, the point guard role, and he's been it's playing the shooting. He's he's been playing the his point guard sized, and you and they should have been trying to develop his point guard. The, the the that aspect of his game in terms of being a point guard, but because they brought in Darius Garland, it was kind of like all right. Let's figure it out. Oh, Darius Garland's better at this, so we're going to just give him the reins. And they never tried to develop Colin Sexton as as a point guard, even though he is point guard-sized, even though he is probably better defensively trying to defend the other team's point guard. Instead, he's defending the other guard, other team's shooting guard, their twos and their threes, and that is putting him in a position that is not optimal for him. If you put him on the Knicks, and now all of a sudden he's the point guard, playing the point guard role, you're putting him in a better position position defensively he can't be any worse than Alfred Payton was last year he is he is not like a, one of those guys who defends and, and 
who defends poorly because of a lack of effort. He's one of those guys who defends poorly because of his size. He shoots better than Alfred Payton. And he does the thing that Tom Thibodeau wants most out of, out of his starting point guard, get in the paint. So I'm not going to be giving him roses to, by comparing him to Alfred Payton. No matter what I'm not point guard that. we bring into this team next year, they're going to be better than Alfred Payton in every I'm not, So you're basically saying what I just said is that there's no possible way that this team could be worse than it was last year no, because Alfred be Payton started the majority of the games at point guard. So you take out Alfred Payton and you put in Colin Sexton, it's not going to get worse. Alfred Payton has frozen out his teammates too. If you like, let's not forget that, 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 that was the knock on him when he was getting a lot of those point guard minutes. So all you're saying is, okay, instead of Alfred Payton do it, you having a better, a better player do it who can score 22 points a game, which Alfred Payton did not do. You can't convince me at all that the team will be worse because of Colin Sexton. The team could be worse because of what's leaving the team. You saying yes, Alfred Payton? I, I, I agree. But Alfred Payton had all these guys off the bench playing with, with the team too. So, as a collective, Alfred Payton wasn't on the floor for the entire forty-eight minutes. There was yeah. other aspects that brought this team a lot of wins. And if you're trading away those aspects, the bench, the draft picks that would be re- replacing what we just traded away off the bench, like that's going to have an impact on the team. The only thing that you're trading from last year that would have an impact on this team is Obi Toppin. We didn't have those draft picks last last year. Knox we had Kevin Knox. We had Kevin Knox, but Kevin Knox averaged what four minutes a game, five minutes a game. He was never a consistent part of this team. So, I, so I, you can miss me with that Kevin Knox and the draft. The only thing that you have a point for is Obi Toppin, and maybe losing Obi Toppin hurts you in some kind of fashion. But I don't think so because there were a lot of times where we podcasted, and I and I said. Obi Toppin probably shouldn't be playing. He probably shouldn't be getting these minutes. So really, I don't think, I don't, but he got, it helped him as far as his development and And our, and, and in terms of the team at the end of the season, we're talking about a season long change. And the only season long change that is going to be, okay, definitely we're going to be better. Assuming we bring back Derek Rose to come off the bench is to have a point guard who can do all of the things that Alfred Payton couldn't. Shoot the three. Shoot the three. Quickly. We'll talk about, like, quickly is going to still be on the team. So That's what I'm saying. uh, So you're not not hurting. Out the draft, that's going to replace his role. But you're you're not hurting quickly by bringing in Colin Sexton. We know that. Because Alfred Payton had... Quickly has been throughout the season a significant part of the team, and I don't want to take go too long on this because we're already about to hit a half hour. But quickly was a significant part of the team from preseason, from the last preseason game when he when the, they played against the Cleveland Cavaliers, all the way up until the end. And Alfred Payton was getting decent minutes when he started. If quickly came in and he was hot, he got minutes. If he didn't, he didn't get minutes. It's going to be the same thing this season. You put him in the same role he was last year. So you're not losing quickly, quickly production in, ter- in terms of that. The only thing that could hurt quickly production is if Luca Vildoza gets minutes over him for whatever reason. But even then, you could say, well, put Luca Vildoza in the Alec Burks role. I don't see the only thing that you're losing outside of Obi Toppin is you're replacing Alfred Payton minutes. And if Colin Sexton can score 20 points per game, 
Yeah, maybe you're taking the ball out of Julius Randle's hands a bit, but we've already said that we need to do that anyway. We need to take the Julius hand, ball out of Julius' hands just a little bit. Not, not, we don't need him to be bringing down the ball and trying to start the offense every single time. We need other guys who can create, who can get their own bucket, who can, who can help when it comes to playmaking. Context ain't gonna hurt that. The only thing, so the only thing he could do is take the ball out of Julius Randle's hands, which we said that we need other guys who can take the ball out of Julius Randle's hands and do something or hurt RJ Barrett. But even with that, you can help RJ Barrett in other aspects of the game of his game. If we say context and we need you to pass the ball more, RJ Barrett is going to get the ball hopefully more than he did with Elfrid Payton. That's a hope. That's the only thing in the whole thing where I say that's a hope, and hopefully it's a change for the better from Elfrid Payton. But outside of that, there you can't convince me that gaining four million dollars in cap space, getting a good three point shooter a better three-point shooter who shoots over 35% from the three-point line, a guy who gets to the paint, which is something that our coach absolutely loves and needs. Oh, and the and the main thing, one of the main reasons that's really flipped me is to hear about Colin Sexton's work ethic. When they talk about Colin Sexton's work ethic, it reminds me of all of the guys, including Obi Toppin, that we already have on this roster, who comes to the gym to start the morning and is in the gym working on his game until the lights go out. That's the type of player that we have, that we have throughout this roster that we're going to, I think that we're going to keep going after. He's not going to hurt. He's only going to help in my opinion. So, you know, if you can get over your affinity for the picks for the pick, picks should, are going to be players in the NBA. The pick, yes, but there's a chance saying. that there's a pick that you pick somebody who's not a player in the NBA. There's no, there's no one way that you can say 100% guarantee that a guy that you pick is going to be something. And that's the, that's the thing. You may miss out on somebody that could have been something, or you could pick somebody who's going to be nothing. That's the that's the gamble with the, with the draft. Or it, you can pick somebody who can be better than every player. Exactly. In Exactly. Exactly. And but we it's, have the guys in the front office who know all these prospects and have scouted these prospects from the time that they were kids. Listen, man. Like, I have nothing but faith in our front office to get this draft right. I have faith, but if they decide and that they want... that chances to get it. If they decide that they want to do that trade for Colin Sexton, you can't be mad at it. That's all I'm saying. You can't be mad I'm at it. I'm not going to be mad at anything they do. Because... because they do something stupid. Because that... That is a really good trade in on behalf of the Knicks in terms of you're increasing your cap space. You're getting a young player, a talented player, somebody who's already showed that they could score and score efficiently. That you can't say it's a bad trade. You can only say, eh, I, I, I kind of want Obi and I kind of want the pick, but it's a steal as far as I'm concerned for the rights to, even if you say it's for the rights to pay Colin Sexton. It, you, if he has a good year, then you want to pay him. If you have, if he has a bad year, he's going to have to find a way a lot. He, no, then he's going to have to find a contract to make it to to make it not worth it for you. Which who is going to pay him if he had a bad year? You, they're not. You, he's restricted. Sacramento. If they, if they're not going to overpay Colin Sexton if he had a bad year. They're not going to do that. No team in the NBA is going to overpay for a player that played bad. Not, not to the point where it's going to be not worth it for the Knicks. So you, you're, you're playing, you're playing with house money if you make that trade, in my opinion. So 
If that speaking of trades, yeah, I saw I saw another one that actually did intrigue me on basketballnews.com. There was a a trade offer that that kind of intrigued me between New York and OKC, and I want to ask you if you're the GM of the Knicks. Would you make a trade with OKC if New York receives Kemba Walker and the 34th pick in his draft and Oklahoma City receives Kevin Knox in the 21st pick? So basically, you losing out on having two first-round picks, but you do gain another high second-round pick. I would have to say no. How come? Kemba Walker's value has plummeted. There's a reason for that. I don't think that the injury concerns are going to stop being concerns if you acquire him. I think that the contract is going to be a concern. I think if I'm looking at it, honestly, I'm looking at this trade. The most valuable piece in this trade is not Kemba Walker. It's that 21st pick. I can see, I can see that being the potential outcome that that trade happens and what ends up being the most valuable piece in this trade from today, moving forward, the most valuable piece in that trade is the 21st pick. I can see that before I continue. What do you think? Well, I feel like that's how I feel about Sexton. (laughs) I would actually (laughs) make this trade because I feel like, if you have Kemba Walker on a team and you bring Derrick Rose back and you have quickly on your roster, you are guaranteed to get solid point guard play for 48 minutes during the game. Kemba Walker's from New York. I feel like he'd play with a lot more passion than he did in Boston. And he's only, he's 31, but like, He's he's above 30, but I don't feel like he's getting to that age where it's like he's going to start slowing down. I still feel like he's a, a, a solid point guard. I don't know if he's an all-star anymore, but... He's not. I feel like he's still productive in his minutes. Or he can still be productive, I should say. And Boston just probably wasn't the right place for him to play. And I think he could fit next next to RJ and Julius... Pretty well in the starting five. Why do you... I mean, it's easy to say that. Why do you think Boston wasn't a good fit for him? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he just didn't like how Boston was racist. It was like, yo, I'm out of here. I see why Kyrie left. Or maybe it was just the guys on the team, they were were too... They wanted to be alpha dog too bad that they didn't want to give up their, their shots for Kemba. And he just looked worse as a result of that. I feel like if you put him in New York, put the ball in his hands, and you give him for sure, like you give him the the what's the word I'm thinking of the the confidence to be the starting point guard of your team. You show him that you 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 you're you're willing to to die with him taking the last shot if need be, because he could possibly be the best shooter in in the starting five. If he's back to the level that he was before he went to Boston, listen, I I don't I don't know what you on, what you smoking, what you drinking, 
He had one which, bad year. We're talking about a 31-year-old Kemba Walker. Yeah. How old is that Rose? played 43 games last season. Mm-hmm. Who got traded from the Boston Celtics to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. Who would potentially trade him back out? There is no upside with Kimball Walker. There is almost assuredly downside. Almost I assuredly. Don't agree with you. There's all. That's why I said almost. Almost assuredly. Am I saying that he'll never be able to go back up? Like he scored 19.3 points per game last season after scoring 20.4 the season before, after scoring 25.6 the year before that. His three point position, his three point percentage took a dip to thirty six percent, which is not terrible, but it's one bad year. Uh, and he's gonna be playing around guys that are gonna want to know things that he can, he's gonna why be able would, to teach. Why would why would you play the Boston Celtics? Were a good team. They were an ISO heavy team too. Yeah, but even still. There's all you're talking about is hypotheticals here, where which is not much, not much different about than the hypotheticals than what I said about Colin Sexton. Except the difference is that Colin Sexton is 22 years old. He's Colin Sexton is nine years younger than Kemba Walker, healthier, healthier than Kemba Walker, Mm -hmm. shoots the ball better than Kemba Walker, (laughs) like. Scores more points per game than Kemba Walker. Like, I don't understand why you would prefer Kemba Walker outside of the fact that you don't have to give up Obi Toppin. Experience. Yeah. The fact that Kemba Walker was the best player on his team and they made the playoffs. Colin Sexton has no idea what that's like. Yeah. So the, I, uh-huh. he, it's not just the aspect of Kemba Walker being on the team for basketball. It's about what he can teach to quickly and our draft picks – this year, it's it's deeper than just what he brings on the court. If we was to bring Chris Paul and he's injured for three years out of the four year contract, I ain't gonna be mad because the kids on the team are still gaining all the knowledge that Chris Paul has to offer. I, I Kemba knows what it's like to be an All Star. He knows what it's like to be an Olympic mm-hmm. champion. He's won gold. He's he he's been around the NBA. He knows what it's like. He knows what the, what the young guys need to be successful. So you're getting that in production on the basketball court if he's able to get back to that level. If. And that's that's the, why. And that's the thing. The question is if he's able to get back to that, that level. I don't think there's yeah, any question. I can question, live with that if. There's no question that Colin Sexton is going to be able to do what he did last season. I, I don't think yeah, there's any question that, that we could say, listen, if we, if we, at the very least, we're going to ask Colin Sexton to do what he, what he did last year and he can do it. There is a question as to whether we can ask the same of Kemba Walker. You're taking a gamble and you're using the 21st pick in order to make that gamble for a guy who may be on the decline as opposed to using that for a guy who is almost assuredly on the rise. I don't, I, I don't. Part of me is also confused because you see all of this potential and upside for like Obi Toppin and quickly and all of these things. And, but we're talking about a guy who's only been in the year league, what, three, four years, who is Mm -hmm. younger than one of the guys you don't want to give up, but you see no potential upside for him. 
I but you want to bring in but you so much about age. It's not. Oh yeah. You don't care so much about age, but I also, I also mentioned about his work ethic, which should be like a determining factor for you just as much as it is for me. Because yeah. if you put his work ethic alongside our development staff and the guys who have made a lot of these players, including Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, better players, you put Colin Sexton in that. Why don't you think that, why can't you gamble on that upside as opposed to gambling on Campbell Walker's health, his ability to return to his past glory when he's over, he's on the wrong age of wrong side of 30. That, that doesn't because make too much sense to me. I, I'd much rather have the 21st pick because of the upside of that 21st pick, or at least the ability to trade the 21st pick with something else to get a higher percentage chance at a better player. I would rather do that than to do the Kemba Walker trade. With the Kemba Walker trade, you're not giving up as much. And no, I you're agree. Getting draft pick back, which I, also allows you to trade back up to get another twenty-some pick, like we did last year. I, I agree. I agree. So with you're you. not giving up much. You're giving up Kevin Knox, the yes. twenty-first pick, and then another early second-round pick that you also have another one of that can get you right back into the first round. I agree with you that the what you're giving up is less. So you can still end up with two first round. I just picks don't think Kemba Walker. I, I I think that you're 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 looking at the trade for what it is and saying I would do that, but when you're comparing trades, because that's what we're doing. Like in the trade in and of itself is like I'm leaning towards no. Why am I leaning towards no? Because I don't think that you're improving. I, I don't think that you're improving your value when you make this trade. You're you're making a you're you're not you're you, you're. Or, or not that you're not, you're gambling. You're, giving, you're gambling on having something better than what you're giving up. You're which you're doing in both trades, right? But the gamble is much more risky for this Kemba Walker trade because yes, you can you can give up the twenty first pick for the thirty fourth pick. I guess what you're comparing is the twenty four is the thirty fourth pick and Kevin Knox could be equal value. And Kemba Walker in the 21st pick is equal value. Uh, and I don't really see it that way. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see Kemba Walker and the 34th pick being equal value to Kevin Knox in the 34th. I, I think that but, you could, I think you're, you, even if you're packaging the 34th pick and two other picks to move up in the draft, you could definitely move up way higher. With just the twenty-first pick by itself, without Kevin Knox, you can move up higher than all of that combined. Because that would give you three second-round picks: two early second and the late se and the late uh, second-round pick. Absolutely, but second-round like picks. OKC will take that. Second-round picks don't won't get you higher up in the draft than one pick in the twenty-first. I don't. I don't. But think I'm not that you, saying we'd get a pick higher than the twenty-first. I'm saying if we get a twenty-four pick. For all three of those second round picks, you can possibly get the same play that you would have drafted at twenty one, but you add in Kemba Walker. And a part I, of I think you're, you're missing about this trade is the fact that now you have you you have a young guard and quickly who's going to be able to learn from a former MVP in Derrick Rose still, mm -hmm. and a former All Star in Kemba Walker. Mm -hmm. What do you think that's going to shape quickly to become? Your point guard of the future. You already have him on a roster. So instead of trading for another point guard, young point guard who's probably going to get in the way of Quickly's development, you're bringing in a guy, a veteran, who knows how to win. 
knows what it takes to win, knows what it means to be a productive point guard, knows how to be a come on all-star. You're teaching that all to the young guard on the team. All of that stuff is valuable. And I'm, you still I'm get not, your picks. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, all of that is valuable. More valuable to me. Because mm. Colin Sexton going to come in, get his points, and then what? But we, That's it. It's we only basketball from there. What is he teaching anybody else on the team? But you're already ascribing what's going to happen with Colin Sexton, but you're not. You're doing a hypothetical what if for Kemba Walker. Like that's not fair. You if you you got to make an even playing field. Just because you view Colin Sexton as a guy who's going to come in and get score, and he's not going to play make, and that's going to be it, and you have no future. Like that's not the right way to look at it, man. You have to look at what his potential I'm, is, just like you're looking at the potential for Kemba Walker. If you're doing the if you're doing the comparison, but if and I don't what see I'm it, saying, I don't see it. and what. Oh, well then you don't see it that's fine but that but that's, that's on but that's on you he's 22 years old with a with a strong work ethic with a with a good three point shot a better three point shot than Kemba Walker you don't know if he could be Kemba Walker or better than Kemba Walker when he when he, as his career goes along you're judging him on trash years with with the Cleveland Cavaliers one of the worst teams in the NBA like how how many guys left trash teams went to good teams and ended up being all-stars, all-NBA, like, you not taking that into account just based on this small sample size of his career. With and meanwhile, but, but meanwhile, team. meanwhile, Kemba Walker, you're absolutely right about what he has to offer, what he can bring, but just because you bring him in doesn't necessarily mean that Emmanuel Quickly is going to be this, like, it's a hypothetical for that, too. It's all hypotheticals. Now, what the reason why I said I would 100% do the Colin Sexton trade doesn't mean that I think that he's going to do all of this. He's going to be great, whatever, whatever. I think that you can get, you can use Colin Sexton. Either he's going to be a good piece for your team or he's going to be a great piece in a trade for you moving forward. I don't, I, in this trade, I don't see you improving what you have to trade with, with Kemba Walker. Because if he ha even has something somewhere close to the same kind of year that he had last year, now you have an albatross of a contract and, and you have a, a aging player that you can't get, you can't, you can't really do as much with as you could with a young player like Colin Sexton. And then you're moving back in the draft. Even if you move back up in the draft, the percentage, the, the percentage chance that you have of getting one of those great, great guys in the draft, you have decreased that possibility by moving back. L he like, only has two more years on his contract. It, okay. That's fine. He has How two more albatross? years. On, he has, he has two more years on it, It's an albatross if he can't play, if, if he continues to decline or if you can't get rid of it. Trade him for the last year. After one Even year, if you, here, you could trade his contract off the books. Okay, then what you trade. That make? Then you trade. Then you trade him out, and hopefully, you can get something. You can put him in a, a, as a part of a, a trade for a good player, and the contracts match up if you include his contract. All right, cool. Exactly. Uh, we can say we can say that. But what I'm saying is, in the event that you don't do that, what you have with a player who is coming off of a rookie contract compared to Kemba Walker's contract who is 31, it's not the same. There's more value there with the younger player. And the picks are really the main thing for me with Kemba Walker. Like, I understand giving up a pick for Colin, like Colin Sexton because he's younger, because he still has upside, because he's already scoring 20 points per game. The picks, even with the swap, it's a bigger thing. All of the guys that I like, 
they're in a certain range. And I think all of the guys you like are within a certain range too. No, and I like guys all over the draft. I, ain't gonna lie. I, I like guys all over the draft too. But as I get further and further into my board, now you have a lot more guys who they need this, this, and that in order to succeed, just to succeed in the league. They may be good players and role players or whatever, but just to succeed in the league, they need one, two, or three things. Badly. Whereas my, the guys that I'm really, really looking at, they only need maybe like one thing. And even if they don't ever get that one thing, they'll probably be a rotation player. There's not many guys that I think are going to go past 28 that I think are sure things that you, like if they're there, if you're picking at that spot, that you know that they're at the very least going to contribute to your team. There's a lot of guys that, that are going to need to work and all that stuff. And I I just don't like the idea of trading back. If you're going to trade back, it, it's got to be worth you. You, ha- you have to make it worth it to you somehow. And I think the uh, front office knows who they're going to draft. So the draft number doesn't matter as long as they can get the player that they want. That's all that I care about. But I don't, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. That's the thing. Like what I don't, I know you've done your research on this draft. This is one going to be one of the most interesting drafts that I can remember because you got guys who have been mocked from getting picked at number eight all the way down to the second round. Actually, one of the guys that I have that I'm going to talk about later, he could go anywhere in the draft. He could be a lottery pick. He could be picked at 34. I have no clue where he's going to go. I'm just hoping he's going to be available at the spot that I'm thinking that he'll be available at. But I can't even guarantee you that. I could have made him my guy I would try trade up for because I think that I actually think that he might be a guy that I would trade up for. Or he could be a guy that could be had at 32. I really don't know. And that's that's the thing with this draft is that you all of the guys that we both like, they could be gone by 20 yeah. that we that we really, really like or that we think Even, could contribute on this team today. They could be gone at 20 and it, we could be left. We could be left like, OK, maybe we got Sharif, but I don't know who the hell we should pick next. There's always going to be someone left because if guys move up, other guys are getting pushed back. And absolutely who are getting pushed back can possibly help your team more than the guys that you probably liked and expected to be around. You said probably like three times just now. (laughs) My bad. But I feel as as long as you're in the first round vicinity, you can get a player that you're comfortable with. I think that that's why I don't feel comfortable with the sex and trade because you're giving up too much. In my opinion, you're not giving up too much, man. Enough for Colin Sexton. Let's get to the draft. Since we're talking about it so much. Yeah. So last week we talked about it. We're going to do a quick recap of the, of French's picks from last week. So last week, French said he would trade up for Josh Giddy. Uh huh. Australian. Shout out so, to the Australian listeners. I had a question for you. Actually, I already know the answer to this question. So oh, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to pose it in a different way. We said that you would rather trade up for Sharif Cooper than trade up for Giddy. Well, now it's seeming like Sharif has fallen in everybody's eyes who's in any way connected to the NBA draft. 
But so, answer my question if, though. Like if, if 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 you felt if the Knicks felt like they had to choose between trading up for Giddy or trading up for Sharif Cooper, your preference would be what? Cooper. Okay. So sorry, what were you about to say? No, I was gonna say no good. Okay. So I I have some other guys that I want to ask, but I'm going to ask you after we talk about the rest of your picks. Uh, mm-hmm. At 19, you said Sharif Cooper, which I convinced you to make leave him at 19. I don't think I didn't don't think that he's going to get picked before 19. He's not Glad even he's not even he has not even been invited to the green room as one of the 20 players that are going to be in the area when they do the um, draft lottery. So Sharif won't be there. He'll be at home get with a camera on him. If he gets picked at 19 at 21, you said Kai Jones mm-hmm. at 32. You said BJ Boston. Yeah. Kai Jones could be our backup big man and BJ could go to the G league for like a good year or so. So we didn't do this last week, but I think it's good for us to kind of mention guys for those of you who aren't vested in the draft that are going to be taken in the lottery, the guys that we don't think the Knicks are going to be able to trade up for because they're just way too high and they have way too much upside or they have way too much talent. We think that Cade Cunningham is definitely going number one. Mm-hmm. Baby Grant Hill and Chris Middleton right there. In all the mock, mock drafts, the next three or four – are Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes. Caught a cramp just now. <laughs> you got a stretch, brother. Uh, out of say that the Knicks could pick in uh, pick number two, Cade. Cade's not going to be there at number two. <laughs> and pick number two, who would you pick between those four guys? Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes for the Jaylen Knicks. Jalen Green. Okay. I like I, Green more than I don't I, I'm not gonna lie. There's probably two guys in this top six that I don't trust. Mm-hmm. I haven't said number six yet, but John, number six, Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah. I, I don't I Jonathan Kaminga is one of those guys that is probably going to be gone by the end of 10, but he also could fall to the Knicks. Like a lot of this, a lot of it, I, I, it's highly improbable. I don't think that he will, I, but Kaminga is mostly based on upside than the rest of these guys. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was, I'm glad you brought Jonathan Kaminga up. Cause he's one of my two that I just don't trust. I'd rather have Cam Thomas than Kaminga mm-hmm. because you're betting on Jonathan Kaminga to learn how to play basketball. He knows how to play basketball. Let's not let's let's not shit on him like that. No, no, no. I'm talking about at the NBA level, though. Right. Like he's good. He's 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 good for his size. He can do a lot of things. He has NBA but if skills. It ain't, if he don't figure it out, he's gonna look really bad. Right. And the other guy is Jalen Suggs. I wouldn't want to draft him that high up. He's <laughs> good, but not top five good to me. I feel like he's getting a little overhyped. Why do you think he's overhyped? Or what is it about his game you don't like? It's not that I don't like. I just don't see how he's much better than a lot of the other guys that's in the top 10. I feel like because he uh, got so deep into the tournament, that brought his stock up a lot higher than it probably should be. But if I got a top five pick, I don't know if I would want to spend it on Suggs. I'd probably feel a lot more comfortable with Evan Mobley. Suggs and Green were on the same team for in the G League, G League Ignite. 
Nah, Suggs wasn't on the G League. Suggs was playing in college. Okay. He, he so, went to Gonzaga. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalen Green was in the G League. Yeah, Jalen Green was and, on the uh, night with uh, Kaminga. Kaminga. I, I got to look at my notes, but Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green both were pretty good in different aspects. Jalen Suggs is considered one of the best playmakers coming out of this draft. Whereas Jalen Green is considered one of the best one-on-one scorers and finishers in the draft. So I think you're right in terms of how much upside. I think Jalen Green's upside and his potential to be a star player and the type of guy that you would want to pick in the top three. I think that, yeah, Jalen Green is probably your better bet. But I think Jalen Suggs can be worth that top three pick. Also, it's just going to be not in the same kind of way that Jalen Green is. And if Jalen Green is star, maybe not. I think that if they both hit, Jalen Green is going to be the bigger star than Jalen Suggs. But I think that Jalen Suggs might have a slightly high, slightly, just very slightly higher percentage chance of hitting but maybe not being a star that, that i kind of i kind of want to take back the evan mobley comment i don't know if i, I trust evan mobley more than Suggs. i do like scotty barnes a lot though i like scotty barnes also and i kind of was hoping that there was a possibility that he would fall to us but there's no possibility. <laughs> There's no we possibility. Could, he's we could make a us. trade with Golden State and get that seventh pick. Nah, I don't. I don't think Golden State is doing that. I don't, I, and even if they, want it. and even if they, even if we could, I think we'd have to give up way too much. And I don't think I'm comfortable giving up that much for Scotty Barnes. And I think he's going to be one of the best players in this draft. You want to say a little something about Scotty Barnes? Like, I, I, he's an he's an athletic wing who can defend and. Can pass, play, make. He he can do a little bit of everything. He's he's gonna be good. Man. Like I I don't see a lot of paths for him to fail. Maybe yeah. he won't be an all star, but safe. He is. He's gonna contribute, and he can start on your team today. Not like how Obi Toppin can come on your team and start from last season. No, like he, I, I see that there's minimal chance that he can't contribute to your team and be a starter if you're a bad team or be a sixth, seventh man on a really good team. I don't, I don't see how it's not possible. Yeah. He looks like a longer DeAndre Hunter. All right. So those are the six guys that we don't think the Knicks can trade up for. There's a few other guys that I don't think the Knicks can, but the problem with the only reason I only listed six guys, we only listed six guys is because of something that I'd said earlier. This draft is just, so full of guys that can go from anywhere from top 10 to 25 or from 14 to end of the second round. Like I I think I mentioned in the podcast before how Sharif Cooper in somebody's mind and I think NBA draft.net, they got him going like 35th or something like that. And while I, while I think that that is, I think that's impossible. I also can see Sharif Cooper going slight. I don't think there's any chance Sharif Cooper goes into the second round, but I can see him falling to 28, 29. 
Oh, that's disrespectful too. No, I can, I can see it, and it's not because of. It's not because Sharif Cooper is going to be trash or that you know he's guaranteed to fail. I think that when you're looking at so many guys, and me, French, me and you have looked at most of these guys over the past three, four, five weeks. Mm-hmm. You start to kind of lose. You can't really focus. Like you, when you can focus on one guy, like you have to really focus on Sharif Cooper to say that's the pick. That's the guy that I want in this team. I think he's going to be our future starter. I don't see a lot of room for him to fail. We just have to make sure that all his that his few weaknesses we can cover them. And but outside of that, he's going to succeed. And that's what I think about Sharif Cooper. I think that I don't agree. I think that Sharif Cooper. The only reason he's not everyone says this. The only reason he's not a lottery pick is because of his poor shooting and his poor finishing. But it's mostly the shooting. If you're if and you're not if, at six at six one six foot, he's not even six. He's not even six one. He's gonna be he's six six foot probably. He's undersized for a point guard, and if you're undersized as a point guard, you need to know how to shoot. Shooting across the board actually is important at the NBA, but it's definitely important as a point guard. And everybody's seeing that, and they're seeing that little hitch where he's he's moving backwards as he's shooting, and he's not hitting at a great rate. That's the only reason he's not a lottery talent, because yeah, everything, anything else, all, he fixed it for the combine, but he hasn't. Nobody has seen that he's fixed it in game. And I think that's the thing. It's like, yeah, we can look at the tape and see that that jump shot looks good when he has. When he's showing that he's shooting that way and he's not really in a game, he didn't really scrimmage for the combine. I, I think that that is going to scare. That's why he's falling to 19. If he fixed it already, he'd be top 12, top 13, top 14, not potentially falling all the way down to the Knicks. But I don't. But any time before college, he never appeared to struggle with his jump shot, and that's why I, exactly. I don't feel like. But that's my point. That's though. a big issue, and he shot eighty-two percent from the free throw line, which is a good indicator Correct. of you being a better shooter. But you're making my point for me, which is that you have to really focus on Sharif Cooper and only Sharif Cooper to see that his weaknesses—they're not—they're—you're looking at a small sample size. And you're nitpicking as opposed to looking at his career as a whole and really investing your time into what he can be and what he has shown and the work he's put in and to say like, you know, Sharif Cooper is going to be a guy. He's one of the, he's, he's a top two or three passer in, in this draft. And he may even be the best passer in this, in this draft. He's got one of the best handles in this draft. He, he can finish. He has, his percentages are trash, but he can finish. He had he had trash level teammates, but sorry, that's that was French's pick last week. So let me stop talking about Sharif Cooper. The point that I was really trying to make was that you have guys that are gonna go they, they can go all over this all over in this draft potentially. Maybe some of the NBA GMs they're gonna look at the guys that me and French are ta- are talking about between this week and last week, and look at them the same way we do and. The draft kind of goes the way we expect it to. Maybe one of the, one of these guys that we want, they're not going to be available to us at 19 or 21. That's potentially possible. Maybe some of these guys are going to fall down to the second round. That's also possible. Without further ado, 
<laughs> Let's get to me. Let's one get hour. To your picks. One hour into the pod. Who <laughs> would I trade up for? So the guy that I good picks. the guy that I chose is Moses Moody. And I quibbled with myself about picking Moses Moody. Why? Because I think that there is a greater than 50% chance that Moses Moody will not be available at any point that I think that the Knicks can draft up to, which I think that the Knicks can draft up to 13, can trade up to, excuse me, can trade up to 13. I when we previewed this, we said 10 to 18, but I don't think the next Knicks can trade up to 10, 11 or 12. I think 13 is probably the highest they can get up to. And there is not a great chance that Moses Moody is available at 13, but, if he is, well, New Orleans is shopping that tenth pick. Even still, I, I the problem with me is what you give up for. Is what you give up for that pick going to be worth that player? It's a gamble. If you hit on that gamble, oh, jeez, you 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 scored. But if you miss, it's probably one of the worst things that you could possibly do, especially when you have four picks throughout the draft the way that the Knicks do. So let's talk about Moses Moody. Moses Moody, I think, is a potential top 10 pick. 19 years old. He's six foot six with a seven foot wings with seven foot wingspan. Gotta enunciate. He's a good three and D wing with shot creation potential, which is why he's gonna be drafted so high. When you watch this kid play on the court, you see that his ability to put the ball on the court, put the ball, dribble. Get to spots. He's not just a three and D guy where if he's, if he gets the ball at three point line and you shut him down, that's all he can. No, he can, he can shoot off the dribble a little bit. He's shown an ability to play make a little bit also. He's got good shot creation potential. He's got potential to become one of the best wings in the league if he could increase his finishing, his athleticism and his strength. Just you, you could see with him. That part of his problem when it comes to getting into the paint is his and his inability to finish has to do with his strength and his ability to take contact and finish through contact. If he can figure that out, his ability to dribble a little bit, his ability to pass a little bit, that's only going to increase his game and then he'll be at the very worst if he can fix those things a solid starter at the very worst. He's able to create fouls and he sells them at an NBA level. So I wrote in my notes, he, it's, it's honestly hard for me to justify trading both 19 and 21 to get Moses Moody. But if there's a possibility of keeping one of those picks while sacrificing the other to trade up and get him, I wouldn't hesitate. I wasn't, I wouldn't hesitate to that for that because I think that, if you could do that, you you hit you hit the lotto. You want to know why I personally wouldn't trade up for Moses Moody? Because you remember how I I said a couple players scared me. I forgot who I was talking about. And I said they remind me of Alonzo Trier. <laughs> yeah. Moses Moody reminds me of a taller Malik Monk. Hmm. And. If I'm going to be trading up for somebody, I want somebody who I feel like 
has star potential. I think he has star potential. However, his star potential is not is not super high. I think there is I think there is a cap, but he is let me just remind myself. Yeah, he's all he's only 19 years old. He can still upgrade his game and I don't see the limitations in his game to prevent him from becoming a star the way that some of the guys later on that I'm going to mention there, there are limitations to them that I don't think he has. I think that the Malik Monk comparison is cool, but Malik Monk also had a pretty decent year this past season. He's showing, he's showing now that he could potentially contribute to an NBA team and be a good player now that his contract, his rookie contract's almost up. But uh, do you see Malik Monk being a star? I don't see him being a star, but that's because we've seen what he's been already. I think that it's just you have to see what Moses Moody will be in the league before you start capping him like that. From what I've seen, from what he's done in in college. I'm not I'm not willing to say that he can't be a star. I just think that the path to him getting there is definitely not great. I'll say that. But it's things that he can fix. He can be stronger. He can he can just get a little bit more athletic and he can be a better decision maker and then all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who can defend, who can shoot, who can who who will if he can improve his finishing, who can draw fouls who can create off the dribble a little bit, who can pass a little bit. That that's a that's a star. That's a star player potentially. He just has to fix those things, but the, those are big things to ask. But I agree that that just just the fact that you have to ask those questions, yeah, you don't give up two picks for that. Exactly. You that's you give up though. you give up two picks for a guy who you know is going to be a star. And you know, if the Knicks were to make that trade, they must know he's going to be a star. Otherwise, so somebody basic, might be getting fired. <laughs> so basically what we're saying is we don't feel like anybody is worth trading up for. Because <laughs> if the person that you would trade up for is Moses Moody and you don't even feel comfortable actually pulling off that trade, and I feel like Josh Giddy, but I don't even really feel comfortable. I'd rather have Sharif Cooper. It's pretty much saying that we'd rather stay pat. At 19 and 21. I would simply because I think that at the very worst, if you stay at 19 and 21, you're definitely going to get one guy who's going to hit. And when I say hit, I mean, they they are going to start either this year or next year. And at 19, I said that I would select Jared Butler. Now I'm gonna give you guys. A, pick. I'm gonna give you guys the caveat. Me and French are not picking the same people purposely. All right. I would probably if. Well, let me say this. And I know French is gonna disagree with me when I say this. If we get to pick 19 and both Sharif Cooper and Jared Butler are on the board, I'm gonna be. I, I, if I made the decision, I, if I was making a decision, I'd be unsure. I think that Sharif Cooper has way more upside as a potential star player than Jared Butler does. But Jared Butler is already 
a really, really like he's one of the best. He's one of the best playmakers. You know, there's he's not one of the top five the way the Sharif Cooper is, but he he can pass the ball. He's right? not going to ever hurt you. He's not going to hurt you at all. He's a good defender. He's a good shooter. He's a good he's passer. He he's not he's not going to wow you at all, but he's not going to hurt you. He's a crafty high IQ guard, and if he's available at 19, you take him. Like I don't see how you don't take him. But you can't yeah, say he's... that. You can't say that and then say, "But I want Sharif Cooper at 19." <laughs> <laughs> right? It's that's the conundrum because if he falls, he's a he is legitimately. If you look at what he did in college, if you look at what he did in his junior year, he's a he and he's a young junior too. He's 20 years old. He's a, he just turned 22. He's going to be mm-hmm. 20. He's going to be 20. Uh, he's going to turn 21 next June. So he's a young 20 year old, six six foot four, which is a good size for a point guard. Or you know they list him as a combo guard, but he averaged nine assists per game, two point two steals per game, shot forty three point five percent from three, so, which makes him an elite shooter. The only reason why Jared Butler is potentially falling to nineteen or worse is because he has a heart condition that even in college they flagged just you know, wanted to check him out, make sure that he wasn't going to die in the court. And they let him play in college. And now he made that leap to the NBA. The NBA has put in something to make sure that he's not, that's the same thing. He's not going to die in the court. That caused him to miss out on the draft, com- a lot of the draft combine stuff. He wasn't able to scrimmage. He wasn't able to pre- uh, sh- do anything with any teams, really. All he could really do was, has, all he's really been able to do is interview at this point. If not for that, if not for that heart condition, not, if not for him being flagged and not being able to participate in any of the combine stuff, I, I don't see how Jared Butler would not be a lottery prospect. And his teammate, well, his teammate Davion Mitchell is, is considered a lottery prospect, but based on everything that I've seen, I, outside of the defense, I don't see how Davion Mitchell is better than Jared Butler. I think Jared Butler gives you more on both sides of the court overall. The only diff- the only thing is that Jared Butler is older and is a junior, whereas Davion Mitchell is not. But I would pick Jared Butler before Davion Mitchell. I got to correct you on something real quick. You said he averaged 9.5 assists. That's not true. He averaged 4.8 this last season. Oh, uh, okay. But Jared Butler, I feel like... He's not the sexy pick, but he's definitely like he he's a pick that you would love when he's on your team and you're actually watching what he does for your team. Mm-hmm. He provides everything that you want from a point guard. And Sharif and him are kind of like opposites because Sharif is going to be the flare point guard, the flashy point guard, and Jared Butler is just going to be the one who's going to just get the job done, the Kawhi level type of point guard where you ain't watching his highlights, but you love everything he's doing when he's helping your team get to the win. And yeah, I feel like he's been really underrated in his draft because of that. But when you look at what he provides, it's just like he, he's, he's really valuable. Like, I don't know if I would compare him to Malcolm Brogdon, but if you want to think about 
the type of player that I can see him becoming. I see him becoming a kind of Malcolm Brogdon type of player where he just does everything right on the on the court because he has such mm-hmm. a high basketball IQ. I'm trying to. But that's it. pick number twenty one, right? That or was 19. actually tri- pick number nineteen because you have you had already uh, selected Sharif Cooper, who would have been my nineteen if not for that. <laughs> um, well, who's your pick at twenty one then? I think I think what I said nine point five that I was looking at his efficiency instead of his assists. My number twenty one pick before previously mentioned earlier in this podcast. Yes, that was Trey Murphy the third. Now Trey Murphy is also one of those guys who can get picked anywhere in this draft. Uh in my notes he's a potential lottery pick. He could go at 13, 14, and I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he will. He is 21 years old, junior, six foot nine with a seven foot wingspan, slightly taller than Moses Moody, but he can guard the positions one through four. He's great on the switch, great instincts on defense, both on and off the ball. He's gotten, he's gotten some steals because of his long wingspan, but he's also able to stay in front of whoever you put in front of him. When it comes to the pick, he's able to recover and make great reads when he gets picked. It's a good three and D wing with shot creation potential. I don't think his potential with shot creation though is as good and certain as Moses Moody. I think that if you're going to make that bet between the two in terms of shot creation, ability to shoot off the dribble, ability to pass out of the dribble, you you make that bet with Moses Moody as opposed to Trey Murphy. Moody is younger and has shown more when it comes to shot creation than I think Trey Murphy has, although Trey Murphy has shown a little something. But at the same token, I think that you could say the reason why Trey Murphy hasn't shown as much is because Virginia didn't allow him to show that aspect of his game due to the system that they ran. Right. So part of the part of the thing with picking Trey Murphy is that you're gambling on all of the things that he's not showing you because of the system. And you're assuming that what he's shown is not all that he has. Whereas with Moses Moody, you've seen all that he, he's, he's shown all he can show. Now, in order for Trey Murphy to succeed, he's got to increase strength just the way that Moses Moody does. But unlike Moses Moody, he's got to increase, he's got to increase his handle and his rebounding abilities. Moses Moody has a better handle than Trey Murphy, but Trey Murphy is way more athletic and is able to finish way better than Moses Moody. When you watch, when you watch Trey Murphy and he, you see him cut into the basket and they pass him the ball and he's getting up way up high and yam, and he's yamming it on somebody like Trey Murphy is, is a pretty damn good finisher, a pretty damn good athlete. The only thing is that sometimes he gets into trouble when it comes to making decisions when the ball's in his hand or when it comes to dribbling the ball, he doesn't have the best handle. Right. If he could work on that, on that handle, he, he's going to start. He's going to start for your team. I think that's really all it is. Like strength is an issue too. I think when it comes to like the bigger players, he's going to have a little bit of issues. But if you have him at the three spot, which he would be at three spot on this team, the fact that you have a guy who can rotate and guard anybody is 
invaluable. And if you're telling me I either have to pick up nine, I have to give up 19 and 21 to move up for Moody or Trey Murphy is going to drop to 21 and I take the chance on Trey Murphy, I'm taking Trey Murphy because even though I think Moody has the higher upside, I think Trey Murphy, what we would need Moody to do or what we would need Murphy to do, they both are capable of doing the same things and that's all we really need. So I'm not, I'm not giving up two picks for Moody when I can have Trey Murphy, who I think is going to be a player and a contributor now today. Let me see if there's anything else. He's been moving up draft boards, according mm-hmm. to a lot of the draft experts. A lot of teams are starting to bring him around for workouts. So the Knicks just worked them out, too. Yep. We'll yep. speak about that later, but. Gone on to your thirty-two. Just the last thing I want to say about Trey Murphy. Um, I hear that he's a, he's one of those guys who gets in the gym and wants to keep practicing and keep working on his game. Much like I said earlier about Colin Sexton, if that's the case, yeah, that's a guy that I want on this team. That this this front office seems to want to have guys who are willing to work on their game endlessly and and don't aren't afraid of being coached and aren't afraid of work. And are willing to put in the effort to clean up the miscues in their game. If that's the type of player Trey Murphy is, I 100% want him on this team. Yeah, he's going to be one of the super role players in the NBA, I feel like. One of the guys that's never going to hurt you unless he's being forced to create his own shot. I'm even looking at him like, say the Knicks aren't able to pick anybody up in free agency. If the Knicks draft say Sharif Cooper and Trey Murphy, I could see Trey Murphy getting the start before Sharif Cooper and mm-hmm. thriving Maybe in that taking Burke spot or, or Reggie Bullock spot and thriving at that role. I think he's coming back. Hmm? I think Bullock is coming back. Bullock will probably come off the bench, but well, I think Bullock is definitely coming back. Well, I will say this. If Murphy is able to defend as strong in the NBA as well as he did in college, why would you not start him over Reggie Bullock? No, I'm saying even if he does come and starts, I still feel like Reggie Bullock could come back and just come off yeah, the bench. Yeah, you know, but what I'm saying is he would be taking Reggie Bullock's spot because Reggie Bullock was mm-hmm. the guy who whoever whoever it is that Tibbs thought that RJ couldn't handle, he put Bullock on them. Right. You could do the same thing with Trey Murphy and do it well. So not immediately. Though. So so the I mean, in the starting lineup, though, in the starting lineup, in the starting lineup, that's if Murphy proves to be as adept at doing that in the, at the NBA level. Yeah. Why wouldn't you give him that Reggie Bullock spot? Yeah. Reggie Bullock could still be on the team, but he wouldn't be the starter, which is the thing. He started because that was the, you know, what, what we needed from that starting lineup, somebody to guard the guy that RJ couldn't. Right. Trey Murphy could be that, but I, I'm saying to start his career, he's probably not going to be yeah, probably not taking Bullock's position because Bullock is a vet still. We'll talk about once Bullock. he proves once he proves that he could he could handle that spotlight and he could guard all the uh, talented wings in the NBA. I feel like he's definitely going to be starter level at least before Cooper will. We'll talk about Bullock later. I I don't think it's a sure thing that Bullock is coming back. So at 32. I had a lot of guys mocked in this spot, but 
if I over this one. if I had to guess, some of the guys that I even guys that I think like they have a great range that they could fall to thirty two. I, I think that there's no chance that they get they fall to thirty two. I had Corey Kispert there. I think Corey Kispert is definitely going to get picked up before 32. He probably is going to get picked up before 21 and 19. But I also see Corey Kispert falling because he got exposed. His defense got exposed. And really, if you pick up Corey Kispert, it's mainly for the offensive side of the ball and not so much on the defensive side. Not that he's going to be total dirt on defense, but he's he's limited. Uh, and he's limited I, on offense too. He can't create his own shot. It'll be for he, his shooting he, and for his cutting. Well, Corey Kispert can do more than Reggie Bullock can. I'm going to say that. Corey Kispert, when he comes into the league, he's going to be able to do more off the dribble than Reggie Bullock. Mm-hmm. Is that saying much? No. But. If he, if you can cover up, if you can cover him up on defense, they, he, you can probably start him because of just how he's one of the most efficient, if not the most efficient players in college basketball because of his range from three, where he, where he's, he's good from everywhere behind the three point line, but he can also finish, he can also finish at, in, in the paint and he can also shoot off the dribble. So, He's limited beyond those things. Let's let's get that clear. He's but beyond those things, he's very limited. But that's a good that's a good offensive player. That's a guy who's going to contribute to your team. That's right. but that's also why like you know he has no upside. You know this is all he's going to do for you. He can go in the second round, but I highly doubt that he will because of how efficient he is. Because of what he can bring to the team. I also had Chris Duarte, who I didn't even put in my notes, French. So. But I had Chris Duarte, but I, I've seen Chris Duarte mocked in the top 20 and for good reason. He's the only reason why he would fall to 32 is because he's 24 years old. Old is, yeah, he's already almost in his prime as a, and he's going to be a rookie in the NBA, but he's one of those guys who is good at everything. He's not, he doesn't really have too many weaknesses in his game, although I would, argue that he's probably going to be dirt on defense when he comes into the league. If I had to guess, I don't think he's going to be a good defender, but he's not God awful. I think that he's going to be probably Obi Toppin level on defense when he comes into the league. But Chris Duarte, I kind of had mocked at 32. I had Trey man. Trey man could pop. Trey man probably ain't going to fall to 32. Can I, can I, can I, I guarantee you he's not falling? In I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so sure to make a guarantee like that, but I'm almost there with you. It's a very, very low chance that he's going to fall down to the second round. That yeah. Trey man is one of, has the best, probably some of the best handles in this class. Like he, every time I read something about him, rates one of one in ankle breakers in, <laughs> in the draft. Like he's got, he's got damn good handles. His pick and roll scoring is top notch. Trey Man is going to help some team, even if it's a microwave scorer off the bench. Yep. What you so far? 
I also have my I also mocked Miles McBride, but I also think that Miles McBride is probably going to get taken before thirty-two. Deuce, he he could fall though. He could he fall. Could fall. He's but I stick at thirty-two. I have a I just have a strong feeling because he's one of those guys that it's like okay, you're good at that. You, okay, you're you've improved. It, it, the last article I read about him compared him to I think Donovan Mitchell in terms of. Coming into the draft, how, the improvement in his game, the, you know, the funky kind of pre-draft history where he didn't really have too much basketball, you know, when he was 18, 17, whatever. So he was doing playing other sports and stuff like that. And he didn't really commit to basketball. And yet he still improved in certain areas like I, I just I just think somebody's gonna look at him, see Donovan Mitchell, and grab him before thirty two. Maybe he'll make it to the second round, but I don't think he'll make it to thirty two. He might get picked at thirty or thirty one at the very worst. But the guy that I'm pretty sure is gonna make it to thirty two, Bones Highland. So Baby IQ. Yeah, that's basically what basically what he is. Yeah. 6'3 with a 6'9 wingspan. That's the only thing that I would say he does that separates him from quickly. Quickly doesn't really have much of a wingspan, whereas Bones has is has a 6'9 wingspan, which is important. Three-level score, another difference between him and quickly. Quickly cannot you can't call him a three-level score. You can say that quickly can do the floater and shoot the three, and he has the potential to be three-level, but not quite. Bones Highland is legitimately a three-level scorer. He can score in the paint. He can score in mid-range. He can score from three. He can score from half-court. He has a lot of flash, a lot of pizzazz, super crafty. He was probably the most impressive player when it came to the draft combine when they did the scrimmages. He went out there and he made an impact, not just as a scorer, but as a playmaker as well. Quickly's wingspan is actually 6'9 as, as well. What? <laughs> Wait, I could have swore Quickly's wingspan was not 6'9. I could have swore he, he had be, like a. I could have swore it was even. He's 6'3 and 6'9 wingspan. Oh, shit. Let me, They're literally the same player. <laughs> I did for for yeah. I, I guess you're right. It. I guess you're right. I could have swore Quickly's wingspan was like six three, six four. Mm-mm. I remember watching um when he first got on the court. I'm like, damn, this nigga long long ass arms. You know what? For a point guard, watching Frank Nilakina for so long, everybody seems like they have like a square wingspan because Frank Frank's wingspan is like seven one something like that. And I'm like, god damn, Frank looked like he could touch the floor standing up. Anyway, all right. So they're basically the same player outside of the it's fact wins. that outside of the fact that Bones Highland, I think, already is further along as a playmaker and as a three level scorer than quickly. Bones is great at playing the passing lanes, but needs to improve on not getting caught in the screen. He kind of dies on the screen a little bit, which is which is pretty much primarily what makes him a bad defender. But the fact that he has a six nine wingspan. He's already shown like how impactful he can be defensively. He just needs to have better IQ on defense and not no get in corner screen. <laughs> right. He's a book bucket getter full stop. I really like his game. And yeah, that was that those are my picks. He now, was bugging in the combine. 
bugging. But, you know, he was playing against other guys who were going to be in the second round, maybe a guy or two here that, that kind of rose, but th- that was the guy. So some of our favorite picks who did not make it are our selections. We already talked about them. Corey Kispert, Trey Mann, Miles McBride. The one guy we did not talk about, Zaire Williams. You have any thoughts on Zaire? Would he's you take another one of them? One of them scared. players who has to. Yeah, he scares me. He, he got to learn how to play basketball. He has he has like the body of someone that you would want to be on your team. Perfect wingspan, perfect height. Does the right things, but when you just watch him play, you start to realize like he doesn't really understand the flow of the game and what's going on. All right. I don't know if you could be in the NBA and you could do that. Let me pose you this question. Cade, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Kaminga, Josh Giddy, Sharif Cooper, Moses Moody, Jared Butler, Trey Murphy are all selected before 19. Do you pick Zaire at 19? No. Who do you pick? Trey Mann? Trey Mann. Okay. Trey Mann. Knicks, Knicks pick Trey Mann at 19. Then Isaiah Hawks. Jackson at 21. Okay. So you like Isaiah Jackson? <laughs> yeah, that's baby Mitch right there. As long as I got someone to compare you to in the NBA and I see your potential possibly being higher than them, I'm sold. I'm easy to please. I'm you don't, sold. You don't, you don't uh, like Zaire Williams' potential? I don't like him as a basketball player. Okay. I like his potential, but you have to also meet the potential to make it a reality. If, if you can't stay on a court because you're not understanding the plays and you're not – I, I just I don't trust Zaire. That's just me. He has the body, he has the talent, but it's the game is mental in the NBA. And if you can't keep up with that, then I don't know how long you're gonna last. That's why I don't trust Kaminga either. I'm trying to. Okay, I think I just found it. I I was trying to remember the Strickland's devil's advocate argument for Zaire Williams. So they said he is a skinny tweener guard slash wing who struggled to get to the rim and finish while he showed flashes of step backs in deep range. The flashes were too few and far between. Is it worth using a first round pick on a guy who seems like he rely on the dribble? So that was that was the argument to not pick him. The sales yeah. pitch, which is what I was really looking for. He showed flashes of elite shot creation during his freshman year. He had flashes of decent playmaking and very good defensive tools. He has an insane motor, which is what I like. I don't since ever since Kevin Knox, the knock on him was not having a motor. I'm like, yo, if I hear that you don't have a good motor, I don't want you. I don't care how good your game could be. I don't care about the prospects. If you don't have a good motor, I don't want you. Right. It's funny you say Kevin Knox because that's exactly who I was going to compare him to. But that, but that's the thing. Kevin Knox was knocked for not always having an insane. Was not always he didn't have an insane motor. Actually, the motor, whether he had a motor like a good motor, that was his knock. And no, I wasn't going to compare him as a player. But it's the scariness. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 scary because you knew that Kevin Knox had shit to work on, and you know that Zaire has things to work on. Mm Hmm. 
if it's you basically a Kevin Knox pick all over again, except Kevin Knox was picked at, at the top eight, and we're talking about picking Zaire at nineteen or twenty one, and the talent level in nineteen twenty one is pretty equivalent to the talent level in that section of that type of draft. I mean, not that type, that exact draft. So Nick's Nick's draft, who I, I I've read some of their stuff, but who assists with the Strickland, they said. He's a prospect with a pretty wide range of outcomes, with those outcomes being anything from multi-time all-star to out of the league within five years. I'm willing to bet on him getting closer to the former, putting him into an NBA strength and conditioning problems should solve many of his problems and help him better utilize his unique skill set. If we're just talking about feeding this dude some more meat and fucking putting him in the weight room and now he's a good player, yeah. That ain't no now, now I'm not now I'm only saying that as somebody who I would want to take a shot because when when you draft you kind of all, you can't just think about the safe play you kind of think, have to think about who has high upside and I think Zaire is one of those guys who has high upside that I, I don't think we're talking about a, a draft bust who didn't play well who can fall that I think that I want but I don't want him over I, I don't think there's any possibility that our top three guys all fall I don't yeah. think there's any there's any possibility that they all kind of go before 19 and that's the thing like uh, or, or, or not even before 19 they all go before 21 I think if any if any of your top three guys and many of my top three guys fall to 20 to 21 I'm picking them before Zaire, but it's, I just, I just want to say that it's close. Like I would take Modi before him. I'd take Butler before him. I'd take Trey Murphy before him. I'd take Giddy before him. I'd take Cooper before him. I may not take Kai Jones before him. Yeah. I'm done with the potential picks. Kai Jones is the, is the closest thing that I feel comfortable with comfortable drafting with when in terms of potential because he's shown things that he can do at the nba level right now if you can't do things at the nba level right now i don't want to draft you well that's because you shook 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 money <laughs> no it's because we're a playoff team now yeah we don't, got the, we don't got time to be trying to babysit you don't have guys to. on the team and waste a roster spot for three years before this guy figures it out listen there's a potential that we draft sharif cooper and then we sign a kyle lowry or Chris Paul or something like that. We could we could sign a point guard and then you're still talking about the same type deal where you have a guy that we gonna it's not even babysitting. You he's just not gonna be developing on the court. He's gonna be developing no. behind the scenes. I expect Sharif Cooper, if we draft him, to come off the bench for the first year. No, but That's I'm saying, I'm expecting. But I'm saying there's a potential that we're talking about him not even playing if we sign ah. if we sign the right people. Like if you if you tell me that if you tell me that we can sign Kyle Lowry or or Chris Paul and bring back Derrick Rose. I'm not saying, well, don't do that because I want to pick Sharif like Sharif Cooper's on, on the team. Like I'm saying do that because that gets you closer to a championship now than waiting to see what Sharif Cooper does. I would still want Sharif Cooper on the team. I think that Sharif Cooper would have a lot to learn from those two point guards specifically. And I wouldn't be mad that he doesn't get time on the court. I just think that you have to kind of slowly develop him 
and that's it. I wouldn't be mad at it. Just like if if you have Zaire Williams, you could sign a two small forwards and have you're not like I I I wouldn't want us to sign two small forwards to completely take his 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 time. I would want him to get maybe like five minutes a game. But it's the same type deal where the draft just because you draft a guy doesn't mean that you're babysitting. It just depends on what you do with the rest of your roster. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not scared to draft a guy who ne- needs a little work. I just want to know that they're going to put in that work. That's one. And that I don't have to worry about them forgetting whatever it is that they learned on the court the way that Kevin Knox sometimes did. Those are my two concerns. If you're telling me that you have a high motor and you have a high work ethic and you have potential, I don't care if you didn't show amazing stats in, in college if you have the potential to be a, a, an all-star which I think Zaire Williams does. Hey, this is the last thing we're going to talk about with the draft, I think, right? So I might as well just add this little point in. This front office has done their research and they've done their homework. So this is the last episode you'll hear before the draft happens. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens... I trust whoever whoever is going to be on this roster on the next episode. Do you feel like I'm going to regret saying that next episode? Say that one more time. I'm satisfied and I'm happy with whoever is going to be on this roster within this next episode because the draft is on Thursday. So by next episode, we already had the draft. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm saying now I'm say happy before with whoever we, pick? we picked. Because I already have th- I have that much confidence in this front office in terms of this draft. I, there is a small percentage chance that the Knicks do something that I'm gonna look sideways at, and I don't think so. Question: Because I think that there are guys. We've heard the trade rumors that the Knicks are looking to trade up into the into the top fourteen, and. I just wish I knew what they knew. I wish I wish I knew who they think is worth trading up for and what they would be willing to trade up for them. If you're telling me that you're, as Jonathan Macri has kind of insinuated, looking to trade up for Davion Mitchell, I don't I I don't know how happy I would be with that. I, and He's I, the closest I, thing I, to uh, Donovan Mitchell, I think. I like I like Davion Mitchell a lot. I would uh, Davion Mitchell is just a tier below that. If they're there at nineteen, take them behind Jared Butler and Sharif Cooper. But he he's not. I don't trade up for him. And I don't think there's a chance that I, I think that he is going to get taken before 19. I really do think that, but I don't. Yeah, just like Trey Murphy could get picked before 19, I wouldn't trade up for Trey, Mur- Trey Murphy. That that's just me. Yeah, me either. I'm not trading up Ke- for anybody. Keon Johnson is another guy who uh, they could trade up for. I I'm not doing that. I, I would rather this you stay where you are. James Booknight. I think nice. I, I think I think we both said that we wouldn't trade up for James Booknight. Nice, I'm though. I'm on the edge. I'm gonna backtrack some things that I've said. I'm on the edge. I don't think that I would hate it as much as I think I would hate trading up for Davion Mitchell. 
But it depends on what we traded. I'd, I'd be happy if we had James Booknight, but if we got to trade so much to get him, then I don't want him. Well, I don't think you. I, I, unlike for Moses Moody, I I think Booknight is going to get picked after Moody. I don't think that the trade. Really? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I but I think it's only going to be like one pick or two picks below. I don't think it's going to be like he's going to fall to 14 or 13. I still think that you have to give a lot. And I still don't think that the Knicks can pick up to get James Booth Knight. But the likelihood of him falling to 14, 15 is a lot higher than Moses Moody, I think. And I can see it. Yeah. Like, I think uh, if you ask me, I think Moody would get picked at like eight and then Book Knight would get picked at like nine, ten. Which would be just out of range of what the Knicks can offer that I would be happy with, but I could also see a scenario that he falls to fourteen, I, and then you don't have to give up as much. Yeah, um, there's no definitive like draft picks from after two. Let me see who else. In my opinion, there's a guy I have. Like I started trying to do a big board, which I think I am going to try and like actually do this week, but. I'm not where I'm not, I don't have any slideshows or any charts to show you guys this week. Sorry, <laughs> but I might actually post something or link something later this week where we actually do a big board, something that you can look at and see the strengths and weaknesses of everybody. But one guy I keep forgetting and I just forgot his name. I'll remember it later. Who else do I have here? Cam Thomas, Usman Garuba, Alperin Sengun. Mm-hmm. Corey Kisper, Jalen Johnson, Jaden Springer, Kessler Edwards, JT Thor, Josh Primo, Isaiah Todd, Ayo Desunmu. Who's that guy? We talked about him last week, too. Oh, there was a guy that I wanted to talk about besides him, too. Oh, Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner is probably going to go in the top 20. And if he's there at 19, would you take him? Yeah, I think he's gonna I, be good. I think no, nah, he's. I think he's gonna be good, but it's about what we need. And I, I don't know. I'd rather have Cooper probably. I, I I agree with that. Just because we've had to watch such such bad point guard play for so long, I just feel like I think that we are both very high on Cooper. But if I take my standing, <laughs> if I take my standing of Sharif Cooper out of the out of the hat for a bit, I think that I would be able to admit that the path for him being a bust is still slight is still higher than some of these other guys, and I think his path to being a bust is higher than Franz Wagner. I don't see it. I I don't see it either. But I have to admit that his size and the finishing potentially being an issue in the league and just because the hitch in his shot is most likely gone doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a good three-point shooter in the league. I, th- I think that we're just automatically assuming that all of the things that we know to be true are going to translate to the NBA. And that's the thing about the draft is that you can think that all you want. Until you show up in the NBA and show up in an NBA game and play in front of these big crowds and play against other NBA talent, there's really no telling how you're going to be until you actually show up on the court. I think the fact that he's an elite passer is going to mitigate everything. 
And I think you yeah. you do too. And we I think we both think that the dribble, uh, the handle is real. And it's going to mitigate anything else. If he shoots 40% from three and has a consistent floater, he's an all-star. Right. I agree with that. But <laughs> there's nothing to talk about. But we can also say if the problems that showed up in college still remain problems in the NBA, he could be a bust. And we don't think that's going to happen. But... It's not about what we think. It's about what's going to happen, and we can't tell the future. We can't. We we're not. No, I can tell you. We're not psychics. Not well, you you've said a lot hold of things. To it. You've said a lot of things are going to happen that didn't happen. So hey, if you want me to hold you to it, fuck it. Hold me <laughs> to it. Um, go, all right, look. What episode is this? Eighteen. Episode eighteen of season two. Let's revisit this. Very good. So one guy that I. And I forgot to just double check this before I spoke on it. I, I was going to 100% say for my 32nd pick, Roko Precaution. You ever looked yeah, him up? But yeah, he, he, he took his name out the draft though. And probably for good reason. He'll probably be a lottery pick next year. Next year. Yeah. But if he was still Hopefully. there, if he's still there at 32, I, I would want the Knicks to make that pick. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. Him, him, Franz Wagner, and Blazenberg. V, v, Ron's. Franz Blazenberg. Those three guys kind of are in the same kind of vein. He's from England, right? I don't Not know. England. You know where. I don't know where that, none of them are from. Because, yeah. But, right but Rocco, I think, was the youngest out of all of them and showed high upside. And could do a lot of shit at his size. And I was like, yo, if he's there at 32, take him. I don't even care if you have to stash him for a year, whatever you got to do. But that was going to originally be my 32nd pick. But he pulled his name from the draft. And, yeah, that that was the only thing that I want to talk about as far as guys we didn't talk about. Thinking Belgian. Anyway. Yeah, Sorry. All right, so that's we said it last week. That's it for draft shit. No, no, no. Last bit of draft news was good news for us because it's based around guys that we just spent talking about for this last hour. Jonathan Macri reports, according to a league source, that the Knicks have had several notable players in for a workout, including Trey Murphy the third, Trey Mann, and Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Good news for me, because if we can snag Isaiah Jackson or who I picked that 21 last week? Kai from, Jones. Uh, Kai Jones. I'm happy with either one of those picks at 21, so I'm happy to see that these are the guys that we've been working out. And uh, we also had a solo workout with Chris, Chris Duarte that we spoke on earlier in the mm-hmm. podcast. I don't really love his game. He's He's good, but I don't want to spend our draft pick on him. Chris Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte is a pick that I would want the Knicks to pick if they were drafting in the first round after twenty one. Right. Now, he's he could potentially get picked before nineteen by by one of those teams that are like good. Mm-hmm. I played around with the idea of making him my twenty first pick. Because he's that good. He's one of the most efficient 
scorers coming in the draft. But like I said, he's 24. But I was paying so much attention to how efficiency, being efficient on offense is just key to being a, a really good NBA team, especially if you want to make it to the finals, if you, especially if you want to make it to the conference finals. You have to be an efficient shooting team. And the Knicks were not really an efficient shooting team last season. So I was looking at guys like, I was looking at guys like Corey Kispert, Chris Duarte. Those, those guys are all, were in the top of the draft in terms of efficient scoring. So I was like, yeah, maybe we should get Sharif and Chris Duarte. I, I don't know. I ain't going to be mad. As long as we address the biggest issues, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I want. Like, if we was to pick Chris Duarte, I don't want to still have holes in the roster that we need to address. I want all the holes to be plugged before we pick up a Chris Duarte. Right. And if he can help plug one of those holes, then, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. he And he... He would, would, would he be like the splashy name or the, no, he wouldn't, but I don't think that you could quibble too much if he's on this Knicks team. I ain't gonna be mad. Now, if it was like Chris Duarte and Kai Jones are our picks, I might quibble a little bit because it's like, I'd I, be a little I, bit about I, yeah, I quibble a little bit about it, but. We won't know until next week. And I know you'd be mad if Sharif Cooper's on the board at 19 and 21 and the Knicks don't pick him. I know you'd be mad about I'd that. I'd be pissed. Yeah. You'd, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Which is why I'm like, hey, <laughs> let's not, yeah, let's not pissed. say stuff about how we're going to feel about the draft before the draft actually happens. Cause I could see that happening too. I could see the Knicks not picking Sharif Cooper at 19 or 21. Well, then I would just feel like they know something that we don't. Uh, and I, if he, I, yeah. If he if he doesn't show out in his rookie year and the guy that we picked does, then I'm going to just look like an idiot. So I'm going to just bite my tongue and just say, I trust this front office. All right. Well, last piece of news, which I, there was more news that maybe we haven't even talked about. There was a news article from Mark Berman in the New York Post where he was talking about Reggie Bullock. No, he was talking about Reggie Bullock. Frank, Frank, mm. Frankie was just a small part. But he said, if the Knicks lose Reggie Bullock, they'd be more likely to attempt to match a modest offer to Frank Nilakina. Now, the reason why he said that, Reggie is gaining interest from the Lakers, Celtics, and the 76ers in free agency. So in, uh... if they... Let me ask you a question. If it takes the mid-level exception to bring Reggie Bullock back. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. My bad. I thought you were going to say Frank. <laughs> bring Frank back at any any cost necessary. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right. Give him the max. So I guess you're going to answer my next question after that. You don't want yeah. Reggie Bullock at the mid-level. Well, I don't I'm fine with bringing Reggie Bullock back as long as we have Frank to bring back. With but him. if it That's takes it. the mid-level exception, which let me. Which is like eight mil, ain't it? Eight mil, eight mil a year. Yeah, give him that. He deserved it. Okay. I feel like I, I'm, there's a lot of reports that saying that he wants a lot more than okay, we so, would offer, and he want to come back. I feel like personally, I think he I wants. Like he, I think he does want to come back. I yeah, I do think that here. I do think that unless somebody blows us out of the water, it probably will take the mid level exception to bring Reggie back. 
But here's why I'm like, mm. and, and now I'm back to asking you this question that I thought I knew the answer to. Is Reggie, Jack- is Reggie Jackson, which is another guy that I wanted to talk about, but we, we could talk about him another time. Yeah. Is Reggie Bullock that much better than Frank? Yeah. In terms of what? Consistency. Do we know that, though? Yeah. How? It's been shown when when players went down this year and Frank had his opportunity throughout the season, he would have flashes, but he never had a streak of games where he was hot. He also didn't really play that many streaks of games. Like, even when That's he had... True. when Okay. The the game Alfred had cramps for a while. No, that yeah, and I mean not cramps. He had some type of uh, leg injury. I completely forgot about. Mm-hmm. But Frank has had opportunities throughout the season to play, and I agree with that. He didn't provide what he normally does provide when he's at his highest level of play. When Reggie Bullock is hot, it lasts several games. It wins you a couple games. And it's a reason for that. It's a reason why he's in the starting five. It's a reason why they want to bring him back. He's the priority rather than Frank. But I still love Frank's potential. And I feel like his potential is higher than what Reggie Bullock brings for the next four years. I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm on basketball reference. Like, he played the first four games of the season, and then he didn't play again up until the 33rd game. He didn't get any, he didn't, yeah, he was inactive, then he just didn't play, then he was inactive. But he also got hurt. Then he also didn't play, yeah, well, that was the inactives. He got hurt in, in the early season, and then he didn't play, then he was inactive again. And then he played in the 33rd game. He got 23 minutes, was a plus 17, had seven points. Then he got 10 minutes the next game. And then he got 12 minutes the next game. Then he got 24 minutes. Like it, I don't know if, I don't know if I could say like, oh, we know that Reggie Bullock is more consistent because Reggie Bullock didn't have a, like he didn't score every single game. The only thing that, that was consistent about Reggie was his defense. And we could especially say that for the playoffs, the playoffs, he showed up for what? One and a half games. Like really all Reggie. And I'm going to try to stop slandering Reggie because he definitely was one of the key part, parts in this for us this season. But Really, what we needed from Reggie was to be able to guard the guy that RJ couldn't and to hit threes. And I feel like when Frank was playing more consistently, he was more likely to hit the three. So he he also fouled a lot too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. It's all about consistency. I'll, I'll, when I'll, you get the chance to play, you got to stay on the floor. I'll give you that. But I, I just feel like if if you put Frank in that Reggie role, maybe he maybe he fouls out more. Maybe he doesn't he doesn't give you that staying on the court with the def- like without fouling shit that Reggie Bullock did. 
But I also think that he, where he lacks, he more than makes up in other areas of the game with his playmaking, with his ability to put the ball on the floor, with his ability to hit, you know, now his newfound ability to hit a step back. And, yeah, when he's and, his, and, and Reggie Bullock never really tried to drive into the paint, whereas at least Frank, even with his non-confident ass, we've definitely seen him try to go to the paint and yam it on somebody at least a couple times. So I think I say all that to say that there's a, if you have, if it takes more than the mid-level, I don't bring back Reggie Bullock, especially when I think that you can have Frank for less than the mid-level. I would rather you put Frank in that Reggie Bullock role and run it like run it that way. Even if we don't pick up all the free agents in the world, if we have a losing season, I would rather have a losing season with Frank, RJ, Julius Randle, pick a point guard and Mitch, than Bullock again, because we already know that he's a bench guy more so than a starting guy. Just like, just like Frank, but just like Frank, but I think Frank just offers you more, more of a dynamic. That's just me, though. No argument there. We got anything left to talk about? Oh, yes, one more thing. S- Scott P., general manager of the New York Knicks, Scott Perry, earned himself a two-year extension. Thoughts about it? Don't care. Really? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I feel like he earned that. I don't know what he's done, honestly. I don't know what he's done. We, the whole Steve Mills era, how much of that can we put on Scott Perry? How much can we put on Steve Mills? And then Steve Mills been gone. It's been nothing but success. And oh yeah, but can we say that's Scott Perry, or can we say that's all the other additions that we've added to the front office and? Well, the fact that he's getting a two-year extension proves that he had I think, something to do with it. I think that it's more of a consistency. You know, like how the Knicks like kept playing certain lineups all throughout the year because being consistent, yeah, it works. I think Scott Perry does offer something valuable. I do. I don't think that. I don't think that Scott Perry is just getting picked up just because of the consistency. He's not the Alfred Payton of the Knicks front office. I just. I don't care. I, I think that he earned it. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. I think that. I think that it makes sense to bring him back for two years. But I, outside of that, I don't really have much to say about it. Like if yeah. he if he'd have left, I'd have been good. They brought him back. I'm good. It, I don't. The ca- only I, I don't care. Questionable move that Scott Perry has made in the last year was signing Alfred Payton. Every other free agent signing was. It made sense. Even Austin Rivers, you see what he did on another team. It made sense. He's talented. You want to see what he can bring to this team. And they didn't expect quickly to show out like he did this year. And when they brought Derrick Rose in, it just took away Austin Rivers' spot. But Austin Rivers was hooping on other teams. And he was he had games where he was hooping for us too. Reggie Bullock had key moments throughout the year. New Orleans Noel stepped up and became the starting center and it didn't slow the team down one bit. That's all because of Scott Perry. I feel like he's a GM, so I'm giving him the credit. Ah. The two draft picks, the Obi Toppin, even though 
there's other players that we probably could have drafted in place of Obi Toppin. We still see signs from Obi Toppin to show that he's going to be able to provide for us something positively. He's a rotational player in the playoffs, and he looked like one of the best rotational pieces during the playoffs. So it's too early to just, you know what I'm saying? The jury's still out. But yeah, Emmanuel quickly, steal of the draft. I just don't know. Like, yes, you're, I think that that was Scott Perry's pick. But in totality, the way that I understand the way that this front office works, Scott Perry doesn't, like, have final say. I, I think that we can say that. We knew that before, too. I, I think that we can all the roses that were given Scott Perry, I think we need to pull up rose from that and give one to Walt Perrin, give one to Brock Oller. We need to give a few of them to Leon Rose. It's working. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a part of the system. And I think that we can give him the credit for that. But like if he was no longer part of the system, because Leon Rose decided that, okay, there's another guy that I trust more for the same kind of role. I would have been good with it. I don't, there's not outside of a pick, you know, I, I don't know how much credit I want to give him. So that that's where I'm going to leave it. He's getting credit from me. He, he gets a little, just not all, you know, I'm not going to make it seem like our success is wholly due to him. I would I'm give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give him like a 10% credit. I think, I think Brock Aller had a lot of input into certain things and, some of some of some of our moves last year were definitely Brock Aller moves, and they helped. Yeah, but they helped us. Julius Randle's on his team because of Scott Perry. Okay. R.J. Barrett's on his team because of Scott Perry. Yeah, I don't know if I would go that far. I think R.J. Barrett would be on this team regardless because he was the pick. Don't do that. I, you know our history. Don't do that. We've he, always struggled in the draft, even if there's an obvious pick. We don't always make the obvious pick. We don't always make the obvious pick, but who were we gonna? Who else would you pick if if you don't pick R.J. Barrett? You probably get fired. <laughs> like I don't care. Like any other GM in the league is making that pick. Like I don't. You don't get credit for picking R.J. Barrett when the the other consensus top three picks were already picked before him. It, it's a no brainer. You have to pick R.J. at that point. So I don't give him that credit. All I'm saying is I'm not going to not give you credit for making the right pick. So he's the GM. These are all the things that happened in his tenure here. We can say, oh, he got help from him, him, and him. It's an obvious pick. But these are all a collection of good moves that led to this team being the fourth seed. So who fired? I'm not going to ignore that. Who hired David Fisdale? Scott. I mean, uh, Mills. Everything bad happened because of Mills. Oh, everything bad that happened happened because of Steve Mills. Yeah, okay. Yep. Because you see, ain't nothing bad happened since he's been gone. <laughs> uh, I, I could say nothing bad happened since we hired Leon Rose. And that's who I would give most of the roses to at this point. Because some da- bad shit definitely happened when Scott Perry was there. Whether you want to say, like, 
as a direct influence of Scott Perry? We don't know. We don't know how much of it was Scott Perry. We don't know how much of it is Steve Mills. I, if That's you, why you got to just you, list it. If you can't say, oh, especially when we know for a fact that since Leon Rose has been, you know, in charge, he hasn't been saying, yo, Scott Perry, you make the choice. We know that for a fact. Whereas we don't know whether Steve Mills said that when he was in charge or not. But if he did, it's a very big indictment on Scott Perry. And if he didn't, I don't think you can quick clearly say everything bad that happened was because of Steve Mills. Scott Perry doesn't have like a spotless record before the Knicks either. So, But no GM does. Exactly. Every GM makes mistakes and they have <laughs> bad picks that they could have drafted a star instead of. But exactly, as long as but- you make enough for the right moves and the right picks and right trades... Like, think about all the trades that happened last year in the draft. Scott Perry was the GM. I, so I'm giving him the say, credit because all I'm saying these is, things were executed in his tenure all I'm, as the Knicks. All I'm saying is to manager. say, ain't nothing bad happened since Steve Mills was fired. That doesn't mean that Scott Perry should get all of the roses. I think we should give all of the roses. All of them. I think we should give all of the roses to Leon Rose. And then if he wants to dole them out, which he's dole, this is him giving roses to Scott Perry for his contribution. I'm exactly. Leon Rose and Leon Rose, I trust Scott Perry can come and go. I don't, I think that Scott Perry goes, Leon Rose will put somebody who's just as capable or more capable in his spot. That's how he I had the it. opportunity to. He did. He didn't want to. And that says a lot about exactly Scott Perry. That says a lot about Scott Perry. <laughs> but like I said, exactly I don't, I don't care that much because I, I trust Leon Rose. I don't, I don't necessarily trust Scott Perry because I know that every single one of his decisions, he has no agency on whether it gets done or not. Leon Rose has the agency, which is how I prefer it. I prefer Leon Rose to have the agency as opposed to Scott Perry. Yeah. You got anything to plug? No, nah, I'm ready to unplug. I'm very ready to unplug. We have gone way over two hours. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to our, our draft uh, choices, who we pick at all of these spots. Hi, Ma. I will try to have some other kind of visual attachment that's not going to be part of the YouTube, but something, maybe a link or something that we could go to. Maybe I'll actually get the website up and running so you can actually look at stuff. I'm going to work on something. But the draft board can go on the website. Exactly. Instead of making it in in a PowerPoint. Exactly. So I'm going to work on that. If you see it, we'll post it on the Twitter and the Facebook. If not, then obviously I didn't have enough time to do it. But I'm going to do something. Otherwise, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Love We love you guys. Make sure you All subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. Make sure you like. Make sure you listen to us on your favorite potting platforms, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Stitcher. All of that. Apple, Google, all the stuff. Make sure you like it. Make sure you subscribe. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Peace. Peace. You got knocked the fuck out. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.